0: car scene with Frisky, and also how she's got to kind of grips with enjoying and adventuring out in her classic car as well so hopefully he really enjoys today's podcast and uh, you'll join me next with charlotte in the car Charlotte, how are you finding the back seat of a Morris Minor? The back seat of a Morris Minor is very comfortable. Um, I
1: would estimate that I've only ever been a passenger uh, and behind the wheel of a classic car less than 10 times in my entire life. So getting in a in a classic car generally is a pretty exciting experience, um, yeah. but this one is even more special because of the way that you use Peggy. Um, so I was actually also quite surprised about the the kind of low growl that she's got. Yeah, because I thought she'd be a lot a noisier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, she's
0: super cool. It carries because my parents are always saying how they can hear me coming.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but absolutely, yeah, it carries. She's got a a little bit of a noise to her it, but it's not not too bad really
1: no not too noisy and that always surprises me is the the different sounds that the engines of these old cars make you know with new cars you can hardly hear them unless there's something going wrong so on my daily driver which is an astra i switched on the engine this morning and i can hear something sort of a kind of like a whizzing sound coming from the engine bay and it's like mm, doesn't normally make that noise there's something wrong whereas old cars every single engine has its own quirky yeah, yeah. little little song and dance and thing that it,
0: that it goes on so and, and even then you get to know like when something is doing what it's supposed to be doing and when something's a little bit oh that's unusual i, I don't remember it making that noise absolutely yeah. peggy's Peggy a little bit of a, a weird noise that I believe is the new horn that I fitted oh, really? just like knocking against part of the body okay um, but it's not because I thought it was something else and it's not that so I'm just like oh, okay well that's just a new noise that's going to be normal until I can adjust where that that's sitting so it's not it's not too noticeable I don't think why so did you get a new horn um because it sounded fun
1: oh, wow. <laughs> can we have a demo of it can Yeah. You- Oh, I love it! I love it. That's so good. So, um, if you can, you can't see this, but we've just <laughs> gone over this super cute little stone bridge, and we were right at the peak of it as you did that. So that was very much announcing our arrival on the yeah, other absolutely, side. Absolutely, yeah, very and, cool. And the
0: the horn, the original horn, is still fitted. So that one's just wired up to join in with it, so okay. they both make it together. Basically, my parents got this A40 that has this fantastic horn in it, and as a thank you for. Uh, my dad coming to the NEC, he, he bought me the horn to kind of go and Peggy, and we fitted it together mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so this will be the first season where it's put in the new horn sound in between the, the cuts so
1: it's so interesting how it adds that like dimension to a car as well because yeah. my dad and i um, we changed frisky's horn uh, my mga roadster that i drive um she sounded her original horn sounded very much like yours yeah. you know, i'm gonna say it sounded horny you know like yeah. that kind of stereotypical like really cool distinctive noise um but we replaced it because um we, we needed a bit more ground clearance underneath yeah. so we've got a, like new two new um sort of little funnels that come out and it it sounds modern, and it just it's a modern. It just doesn't suit the car whatsoever. And we changed it for practical reasons, and because we do sort of like fairly sort of challenging drives and across different terrains occasionally. Yeah. it makes sense to keep it with this new format. But it just doesn't sound right. It just, it is really awkward, you know. And you, you know, my dad's just like, uh, 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 and I'm like, oh no, this is it's embarrassing.
0: Yeah, check
1: out that dude. It's just cruising Does on his you know, little mobility scooter. Uh, really <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, no, the, the horns definitely like made the car. I remember like my dad's cars with the horns and stuff. Like it's a little bit their voice, isn't it? Yeah. So like that's why I wanted to keep her original horn in there, but attach the, the kind of new one up as well, so that they're they're both going in tandem. But it it draws a little bit more on the electric. So it's a um... case of I couldn't couldn't sit there at the NEC and just hold it for the whole time anymore. I yeah. have to keep pushing it a
1: little bit. Is that for the end of the show? End little, of the show, uh, celebratory? Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Speed bumps, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I was on a. I was driving with my dad the other day um, and uh, we have a brilliant relationship, um, very different personalities, very different skill sets. Um, and, you know, I've been driving for quite a while now. I know how to approach a speed hump, but he cannot resist telling me what to do when we're yeah. approaching a speed pump <laughs> and it was quite early in the morning and we'd got the mga out because we we're doing a bit of a trip and you know so there's no other cars around so you can kind of you can go to the middle of the road and cross them that way rather than going over the singular hump yeah um and he's just telling me what to do and it's just like shut up dad i know what i'm doing and, and it's really funny because i think when we're in the, in the mga he tells me how to drive and and it's kind of like i have been doing this for a while and it's really funny because it's like you know coming up to the speed home it's like i I can do this in the astro i can do it in the car i know that if you go too fast it's going to be horrendous i know the car sits lower you know it's all it's all a different approach isn't it
0: you say you, so you've been driving for a while, but you've only been driving frisky for like five years now. Yeah. So yeah. you got frisky five years ago and inherited it from granddad.
1: Yep, yeah, that's right. And um, I've got his uh great fat cat with us, so I should probably put that on. <laughs> As uh he is the uh reason that I am in this car with you today, um because yeah, he he had uh, the MGA for 30 years. Yeah. So um he passed away five years ago this summer. Um and I took over custodianship, not ownership, um, because you know they're hopefully going to be here a lot longer than we are. Yeah, um, they've done and yeah, well so far. Absolutely, but it was a real kind of transition from passenger seat to to driving seat because I've never driven anything like that before. Yeah, and and I think when you're younger and you're growing up, you're you know you don't have a driving license because you're not old enough, so you're just absorbing the experience. And yeah, I wouldn't say passive in it because being in an older car is such a engaging way to get around because of the smells the sounds like we've just been talking about even honking the horn, it's so different to being in a modern car but then going from sitting next to him to sitting there without him in charge of that car
0: terrifying yeah absolutely terrifying reading your article about like that very first drive and how eventful it was and how nerve-wracking was and how it took some getting used to
1: yeah absolutely because I didn't pay attention
0: to, to what he was doing when
1: he was driving that car until he was 92 years old oh my god! Um, wow and- I, I used to go out as a young girl in it, you know, like knee high to a grasshopper type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, you know, as, a, as an adult, um, towards the end of his life, we'd go out, and there was a, a road near his house, straight road, a couple of undulations, and then a bend right at the end of it. And I just remember getting in the car, and because he was quite small and frail towards the end, and he got to this this stretch of road, and he just opened it up, and he'd go, he'd verge into the middle of the road, and as you know, there was sort of semi bends in some points of it and yeah. I'd sit there absolutely terrified be like what are you doing but he was just it was the most efficient way to get from from one end of this road to the other um, yeah. and he'd slow down towards the bend um, but he just turned into a completely different person when he was behind the wheel of this car um, and and yeah so when I took over custodianship that first drive for me was terrifying in different ways because i didn't (laughs) ridiculously i didn't even know how to get the handbrake to to loosen so i kept tugging it up trying to press the button to get it to release it wouldn't work i got got the neighbor involved he couldn't work it out but now i know that's there's a slight nuance to it like with everything with these cars and you know managed to to get the gear stick off and set off and ignorance was bliss before I left, yeah. um, because I went out, I had sparkly sandals on, had little short shorts, had my sunglasses. It's, like, it's going amazing, um, and you couldn't make it up. It was a biblical sort of hail, like it was just horrendous. Within 20 minutes of leaving the house, and i have got onto a dual carriageway, going along, heavens opened, pulled oh, into no. the services, and found the, found the corner of this service station car park inside the car is completely soaked there's puddles of water in the ridges of the passenger seat i'm soaked head to toe and it's one of those things where there's these two chaps and they were on their way to a classic car show and they came over and they said are you all right and i was like not really um, and they helped me put the roof on yeah and and the roof hadn't been up for years because my granddad didn't take it out if it was a sort of
0: a oh, roof on day quite a stretch if they've not been on for a while oh yeah
1: um and the and the, like it was quite rusty and really stiff but the three of us managed to get the the roof on um and then the next question they asked was have you got the windows Oh, uh, windows? What, yeah. what? Sorry, what? Because you'd
0: never seen it with,
1: with windows or nope. the roof up and everything. Nope. Um, and so I was like, oh, and I sort of managed to sort of edge around the question, uh, well, the answer. And they said, oh, you you like a cup of tea? And I was like, oh, no, don't worry. And so they they said our goodbyes and yeah. I sort of limped home in a very, very soggy old car. Um, but the heavens were still in full you know yeah yeah dump it on your head mode um, and i got to a roundabout i couldn't see anything i didn't know how to turn the window wipers on um and then i couldn't get it into a lower gear and then i got it stuck and no hazard lights on the car and it was just it was so stressful and i was terrified and you know when you get to that point of you want to cry but that's not going to help you get out of this situation and yeah. you're stuck on a roundabout in and you're not you're not going anywhere so i managed to so get myself out of the situation. Pulled into a, a buslet, a bus stop, and I just sat there and I just said to the cars, like, "Please, can we just get back? I'm sorry." And it was, I feel, you know, it was her way of saying, "You have to show me some respect. Yeah, you can't just get in me, go off on a jolly, and think that that's all okay." You know, I hadn't done any due diligence before that, but I didn't know, so yeah. you know, I learned a lesson. Getting into
0: an Astra and just going and. and... That was so similar to like the first trip that we did, I'd had Peggy not even like a month, and I'd, I'd done some kind of driving around here kind of stuff, but I hadn't gone any further than like an hour away and we'd gone, oh, go to Wales kind of thing in her, like, yeah. this holiday that we booked even before we got her. And like, I love that trip and I talk about it so much, um, and these guys on the podcast have heard too much about it, but it was such a turning point of me realising, like, okay, there's so much I need to learn, but when it's good, you're like, but it's worth learning. Like yeah. everything is worth learning so that you can have the good moments of how well this can be. Absolutely.
1: And and that's the thing, it's like, there have been so many moments like that. Um, and again, I've never had, I've, ha- I've, I've had two, two cars other than this, uh, other than the MGA, and they've both yeah. been Ford and Fiestas, and I've been able to get in them and go, and I've never been frightened of them. And, yeah. and Frisky—that's um, the name of the car because of the number plate, which is FSK three zero two—and so Dodo, which is what my granddad's nickname was, um, calls her Frisky, and it, it suits her because she is an impeccably sexy uh, <laughs> red uh, roadster. Um, so very kind of typical sports car. Yeah. Um, and he was—it was a retirement present to himself, and so you know a bit of a cliche, but she is a stunner. Um, so the name suits, um, and she has been um, just such a just a massive lesson in what a car can mean and how a car can make you feel because she's terrified me, she's made me feel elation, she's made me feel like empowered, proud, you know so many emotions because of something that you know is fundamentally just you know it's just a machine.
0: So because of like all the things that you've learned, you've come so far in kind of your, your confidence in, in using that yeah. and, and going on some really exciting trips and adventures. Yeah. Um quite recently to the time of recording this, you did a, a six hundred mile trip round for some past We did,
1: um yeah, so I'm very lucky that uh, my dear old dad if you're going to watch this dad, hello, okay. um, I'm in a Morris Minor. it's really cool. Um, so he's a mechanic by, by trade uh, yeah. and I'm going to say my passion as well because growing up we went to car shows, we went to air shows, you know, very much in that scene. Um, and it's I have to say he has a huge amount to do with why I've been able to take on the responsibility of keeping the car yeah. because I am someone that had no previous knowledge of mechanics. Um, in such a, an in-depth way. And so he's been so, It's mechanic and apprentice. You know, every time something's gone wrong, he's shown me what the problem is. He's taught me how to fix it. We've done that yeah, together. Absolutely. We've argued um, about <laughs> the whole thing um, and, and we've got a lot closer because of it. Um, and we've gone on some brilliant adventures. And the one you just mentioned, um, we went to Cornwall last summer and we were in a place called Tintagel and we just had a full English breakfast we got to this corner and there was a really really nice pasty shop on the corner and we are looking through the window see the ladies making these pasties we were both too full up um, and so we didn't buy one and the whole 300 and something mile journey home, Dad regretted it (laughs) we went to another pasty shop, we put it in the engine bay to keep it warm like we you know we, we secured it with some uh, cable ties i think in the engine bay got it out and it was just not it just didn't do it so i said to dad when we got home last september we're gonna have to go back to Tintagel to get a pasty from pengeno pasties yeah. and so last sunday we did exactly that and so it was a 600 mile round trip in one day for a cornish pasty utterly absurd ridiculously expensive but i think anyone that owns a classic car who enjoys it and why wouldn't you? You just do these stupid things sometimes um, because it's all part of ownership and we don't know what the future holds. And so
0: it was a lot of of petrol money, but as much as possible and go as far and get as as much experience with them as you can. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, as I say, I'm very lucky that I've got my dad to share that experience with because I do fully understand why people are put off or put off of owning a classic car because of mm-hmm. the maintenance side of it and you know when things go wrong it can be really scary um,
0: but there's always someone to help and, and yeah. generally speaking you it's, know it's, it's amazing like because of like the way that the car looks and stuff like that the amount of people that will literally appear out of, out of bushes when something <laughs> goes wrong <laughs> yeah. and, and lend you a hand and say look here what can we do to help kind of thing yeah so even when you're on your own it's not like the worst scenario ever yeah and you, you learn from them right. absolutely
1: didn't that happen to you recently or last summer yes week? that was
0: like last september when we went up to motorists and something literally appeared and introduced a pair of pliers and because i didn't have some but now i have some in the car and i have a spare accelerator spring so don't worry about that today Yeah. Um, so i've learned from that that yeah you can and it's just like you if you don't get out and you don't use them and you don't take them on all these trips and don't make all those memories with them you don't get the same connection to them and you never kind of learn how how much you can do with it
1: absolutely and i think as well i mean that my dad and i you know talking about doing long distance challenges sometimes some days getting the car you know even lockdown's a great example when you couldn't go anywhere that wasn't an essential journey even taking the mga to tesco's to do some shopping yeah. felt like an absolute triumph
0: you know and it was a,
1: a seven and a half minute journey in the car and that was amazing because also you weren't using the cars very much and so you're thinking is it going to start and when it did start and when it just went and it was great and so those really those micro journeys can feel like the biggest triumph ever but i'd encourage people to do longer distances because it's better for the car to you've got to run that system through and also yeah. it's on those distances where if you are traveling with someone you have the most amazing conversations you yeah you, you know you're seeing the world
0: through your
1: windscreen that's different to everybody else's and say photos
0: to take literally from the driver's seat yeah looking at like whatever it is that you can see like the dashboard and the view of the the bonnet and things out the window yeah uh in terms of look this is this is the view that i get yeah whilst i'm driving around because yeah you don't you don't get that feeling i don't feel with with driving around in, in modern cars it, it like you say even that trip to tesco's is, is an adventure yeah. um because yeah it, it might not start or you might have an issue but equally you know that they can do it because they were doing it for years and years and years exactly. before any other option was available yeah of
1: course and and i think one of the things that can be off-putting is you know and i do get this when things go wrong um, with the car is the, the our roads are very different in terms of how many vehicles are on them now yeah and how fast other vehicles go and it does feel you know it it can and is very intimidating um when you're in a tiny tiny car on a motorway and you've got lorries and you've got suvs you've got people carriers you've got all these vehicles that are bigger faster and basically squash you rather easily and probably not even notice like I, i do understand that but at the same time i think classic car owners generally drive um more carefully because you do realize that there's not a lot between you and disaster yeah. and, and you're more in tune with your car and so you know you mentioned earlier that you you know the sounds of your engine it has its own unique noises and when when you hear something going wrong you hear it you smell it you yeah. see it on the gauges and so if something is going wrong you'll get yourself off the road and out of the way you know yeah, so absolutely
0: and, and I'm so glad to hear that I'm not the only person that drives with my nose in terms of you drive past something you're like is that is that us, or is that
1: yeah. them out there that are making that smell? Because that's not a good smell for us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Dad and I, with the trip we did to Cornwall last weekend, uh, which I'm happy to report was very successful. Um, we had no hiccups with the car, which was quite, you know, it's a rare thing because there's all there's always something, even if it's yeah. just a headlight that's decided it's had its its time. There's always something on any trip that goes wrong, or and it and it's often something you can patch up and work out later on um but you know when we were driving along in the morning so we took it in turn so i did the first i did the bear journey and dad did the back journey driving along and we had just refueled so you're bound to have a bit of a petrol station fragrance in the car yeah. um but it was beyond fragrance it was a proper up the nostril you know i'm getting a real there's something going on here and we have had problems um in the past where um Fuel's been leaking out of like the carburetor overflow chamber things like yeah, that yeah. Uh, so pulled over popped the hood had a look you know and you kind of and, and i've started to it sounds ridiculous but you you know you not only get a feel for the car in terms of how it drives but feeling in the engine bay you know you go in with dry hands and you go underneath something and if it comes out wet there's That's a problem yeah. yeah and so <laughs> i had a good had a good little fiddle around and rub my hand up against various parts and pieces of metal and nothing was too damp and you know, the bits of oil, which is, you know, fairly natural. They do, you know, do spring leaks. But there was nothing untoward in there yeah. and so we carried on. But it was I don't know what caused it. I don't know where that whiff came from. Um but you do it's a very um it just all your senses are just going all, all the time, the, time. the hearing, what you're looking at, the gauges, you know, even just the feel of the car, if it's pulling, if it's doing this, if it's doing that. It's just yeah, it's it's totally absorbing.
0: You did a roadside adjustment of the is it the time when you realized that she wasn't going up the hill as well as a monte carlo winner should do
1: yes um so uh, with the with the monte carlo reference um so my granddad bought the car uh, 35 years ago it would be now and um, at that point it had just been used in the monte carlo classic challenge and, and came first so the car in its complete form won the monte carlo rally um, and then the next year the guy that sold it to him called him up and said uh, my MGA engine has blown up can we borrow yours and so the engine has done the Monte Carlo classic twice the car itself in its full form has done it once and the yeah. first place and so it was the, built to kind of race specification and you'd expect it to be able to you know accomplish a hill with, with, with ease um, and dad and I were down um, in the West Country and we were doing Porlock Pur- uh, Hill and it she got up there fine but as i think what was his phrase uh, it wouldn't pull the skin off of custard yes, um, yeah um and so we got to the hotel that night and uh sort of had a discussion about what to do because sometimes making those adjustments when you're on a trip and you're quite away from home when the car's running okay but just not at its That's peak big. performance yeah, you you're like whether it's
0: worth making that and risking it getting worse probably. exactly um but
1: we decided to go for it um but I don't know this is, maybe it's the same with all classic cars, but sometimes the people that have designed the engines and where things are, you just want to shake them and say why? Because to adjust the timing, one of you has to be underneath the car on an MGA so you can see the teeth and the other person has to be on the top turning the engine so that it lines up in the right place and so that was a a roadside tweak that dad did all the muscle work um, and he was the one turning the engine over and I was the little person that got underneath the car to to shout when it had got to the right position like for top dead centre and that Um, and it it worked Um, but I think these cars kind of, they they ease into these adjustments and then they wriggle a bit in another direction so I think this summer we'll probably have to do something else to make her run a bit smoother because you know as these engines, you know, they, they get the oil through them and they just, they get tired and they get a bit more needy and so you know
0: And you've got a big endurance run coming up this summer as well, so you're going to want them in kind of the best condition that you can to to get that up. Yeah. So
1: um, Dad and I were looking for a challenge, um, and we want to raise some money for charity as well. So we're going to be doing this uh, brand new that we've invented ourselves for the blood bikes, and we've called it the Four Points Challenge. And it's actually inspired by my stepbrother who has done three of the four points, but not all at once. And the idea is that the UK, the four furthest points in the UK. So you've got one in Norfolk, two in Scotland and Land's End down in Cornwall. Yeah. Um, We've worked out the route is approximately 2000 miles. And so to make it a challenge, we are hoping to accomplish that journey, those four points of the UK in 48 hours, which means no sleep, no stopping other than going for a, a rest break, perhaps uh, moving around because, you know, you do get quite scrunched up in these cars and my dad's over six foot tall. Um, yeah. So I think oh we'll end up being like this by the end of the two days. Um, but yeah, so part of doing the trip to Cornwall as well was just to see how the car coped to doing 600 miles in a day. Yeah. How we coped being awake um, sort of slightly longer and we both took the three, like, you know, it was sort of five hours, ish um each way so we both drove that as a chunk each so again to get used to just being behind the wheel for a bit longer um and we've done some longer journeys we've been up to the highlands and things like that so we, we sort of we're not afraid of doing the distances but this will be different in terms of the intensity of which it all has to be yeah. done you know and and working things out so one of the things we came to the conclusion of during this trip to cornwall was that we want to have a toothbrush in the car, face wipes in the car, um, and and uh, like other sort of bits and pieces because you know when you brush your teeth it wakes you up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and we're going to. That's gonna, why
0: those chewable toothbrushes. Yeah. Like when you do service stations, stations and yeah. Stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So just things like that that might help to keep us awake because I mean because we're raising money for charity it has to be difficult. You know, yeah. it's got to be done safely, of course. So we'll be sleeping and, and trying to take a nap whilst each other is driving. And, Have you tried sleeping in a ski yet? Uh, my dad's fallen asleep several times, um, so <laughs> he's all right. But I'm not sure. I think with stuff like this, it's there's going to be, I imagine, quite a lot of adrenaline because yeah. we've got a time frame, we've got destinations we need to get to, and so it adds that dynamic where I don't know if I'd be able to sleep. But at the same time, you've got to because, you know, we obviously can't fall asleep at the wheel. Um, and so it's gonna be really interesting in terms of you know keeping it safe, but also having that target in mind is that you know people are gonna be sponsoring us to do this to raise some funds for a really good cause, um, and we're not We're going out there with the intention of doing it, not kind of like, oh well, we'll see how it goes. You know, we're serious about this. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting,
0: I think. No. It sounds so exciting, and I'm really excited to kind of see how it goes, how it pans out. Yeah. yeah. Have you got like like, how original is this in terms of? I know that when I do long trips in Peggy, the the secret radio in the, in the glove box and the speakers play a, a good role in terms of a road trip playlist Yes and that's all going. So is Frisky got anything like that or is it headphones for you each and hoping for the best? So we've got, we, were, we
1: actually had a big trip planned um, which was going to happen during the pandemic so obviously it didn't happen um, and for that we had done a lot of work to the car to kind of upgrade it to what I would call an adventure spec um, yeah. So we've got five different charging ports, uh, USB charging ports. Like they're like cigarette holders where you can charge USBs and things like yeah. that. Um, so we can charge our phones. We can have camera set up. We've got a GoPro that we've never really used and got on with. I don't know if anyone else has issues with GoPro batteries that just don't last. Um, but I've got my best friend bought me a portable speaker, um, so I can connect that up. And so we've got a few sort of. Um, Modern sort of flourishes that, uh, we'll so we can and have some music and, and we can keep stuff charged and things like that. And well, I mean, as ridiculous as it is, one of the things that I find difficult, um, and that particularly so when we did Cornwall the other week, is we left at around five in the morning and it was so cold. Um, and where I've taken the carpets out of the car um, just to keep, you know, the kind of original stuff fairly protected I've just got like mats in there but obviously metal chassis wooden floor it's a very cold environment um, especially when it's frosty morning Um, and so what we do is we actually take uh, the the pipe that connects to the uh, heater I say that heater it's not very efficient Um, and so we basically have heat coming from the engine bay into the cockpit for heat So you absolutely stink afterwards um, but it makes it a little bit more comfortable in the mornings and late at night because it is very very cold Um, yeah and i'm not sure whether that actually keeps you awake or makes you fall asleep sometimes it's like when you're verging on hypothermia you start to shut down a little bit so yeah but what's i mean what's peggy like is she
0: is she quite good does she got a functional heater uh yeah the heater is functional and it's almost too good sometimes <laughs> in the summer, not because I have to leave it on, but because it's just peace of mind to leave it on in terms of cooling yeah. in the summer, it just helps keep her kind of reasonably cool and, and not, uh, not as likely to overheat when we do longer trips in the summer. Yeah. But it makes us there warm, so it's like windows down and stuff like that. And I remember we drove to um, the south coast last year on the hottest day of the year, and it was it was a real experience but it was so many little things that made like little creature comforts in in the hot so the towels on the seats are decorative but also ah. help with the fact that the vinyl seats make your back sweaty yep. um and then i'd noticed even in my little short drive because the heater blows down directly onto the handbrake the handbrake is metal oh. the handbrake gets hot so I was trying to find something that I could use to kind of cover it, Okay. Um, and it turned out that uh, the Riley Elf had came with a, a luxury rubber handle. It was a smidgen too small for a Morris Minor, but if you work really hard and you like use a lot of brute force, you can squeeze it onto the handbrake and it means that you're touching rubber that's not going to burn your hands when nice. it's really hot. Yep. And it was just like little things like that that okay. made such a difference but yeah the the heat especially if you're doing it in june aren't you yeah. so it's gonna hopefully the the weather will be dry because it'd be easier to do the driving but also it's then staying away
1: from the heat isn't absolutely. it absolutely and the thing is in that car if it's a sunny day i mean it's the perfect time to drive a sports car with yes,
0: roof down top, you know,
1: absolutely but i tell you what you cook um and, yeah and, like dad and i went away to cornwall like devon we did a little we take it day by day. See, and I think that's that's a real part of the, the difference between the challenge and the trips we normally do. So we'll cover two thousand miles or so in a seven or eight day trip. Yeah. But you're kind of taking it. We literally take it day by day. I book accommodation based on where we're going to get to, where we hope to get to, so that if the car breaks down and it has to get trailered because it can't be fixed. Then we just go home or get a higher car, and it just takes that stress. And I think that's a really, perhaps, a, a good tip um, for anyone that's thinking about getting a classic car: is that you know don't put too much pressure on the destination. You know, but obviously, enjoy the journey. yeah, and it's and not you...
0: always about getting to the place. Yeah, it's getting to the place, but in your car. Yes. Like yes. it's like it's great to go to kind of meet and things like that. But half, at least half, of the got more, for me is getting there in the car yeah. uh, and having her there. And that's like why I really enjoy having a picnic blanket where I sew on patches at places that we made it to. It's like almost little mini trophies of yeah. we made it to here, yes. um, regardless of it, and and wasn't a problem if we didn't but it was great that we did kind of thing absolutely absolutely
1: and that's it we you know we call it it's like a take it day by day trip yeah and and you know some and the thing is as well some days if you're on if you give yourself a week to go on a trip somewhere you might want to hang out somewhere for a few hours if you find a cool museum somewhere scenic you can go for a mooch in a nice town or just some wicked driving roads it just takes that pressure off because i think life is so fast paced now you know everything's now everything's you know i wanted it yesterday i can order it online it can be on my doorstep in the morning and these cars they don't they don't do that if they don't want to work they don't work and you have to make them work sometimes and and that's it and it's like it just teaches you to slow down just and and for me i'm quite a highly strong person i worked in national newspapers for over about 15 years yeah very high pressure environment lots of you know, now, now, now. And so coming out of that world, going into freelance and writing about classic cars and people like yourself who are doing really cool things with their classics, you know, outside the box. This is a podcast studio. It's a YouTube recording studio. That's
0: wicked. And it gets me to a front work. Like again, like I'm not saying like, teaching isn't the hardest job in the world, but it's like, it comes with stresses and having a car that Getting home in is a bit more relaxing, a bit more switched off. Um, and again, it's something that I've spoke about before. It's a very kind of mindful activity, yeah. Day, in terms of getting that daily driving of a car that I really enjoy driving, mm-hmm.
1: and it keeps you on your toes. It's unexpected, yeah. and you've got to you've got to pay attention. And and with that mindfulness is that you know with with Frisky, um, she has. I, to, I got asked the question recently why should we save classic cars and I found it really difficult to answer because there's so many reasons why in terms of you know you could talk about fuel efficiency you should talk about the limited amount of mileage and the da- damage on the environment that we don't do because we don't use them as often there are so many kind of practical arguments and reasons and, and the heritage but for me all I could think in the back of my head was like how many people have classic cars saved in terms of you know, they were going through a tough time in their life, working on the car gave them the headspace to work through what was going on in their life emotionally uh, and things like that. And and its I know it's a bit of a weird tangent to come from the question of like, why should we save plastic cars? Because there's always the battle cry stuff, but I'm like, you know, think how many people that. All these old cars have the the, the 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 owners, the custodians, the drivers, the passengers. How many people these cars' lives have impacted? And you know, and, and the process of restoring them, you restore yourself, and it's just. I find that really interesting is that like they've also saved us and, and Frisky, I got made redundant at the end of 2019 um, from a job that I'd done for a decade, it was all part of a big merger of two newspapers so there were lots of people going through the same thing but I found it a very isolating experience and then the pandemic hit, I, was, I had no work. Um, but what I did have was this amazing car that I'd inherited. And I really recognize the fact that I am extremely privileged to have that car. And yeah. it's, you know, not a lot of people have that opportunity. But that car has given me a purpose. It's given me friendships. It's given me adventures. It's given me, like, tears. And, yeah. you know, it's it's given me so much. Um, and it saved me because it gave me that purpose you know and, and that's that's got nothing to do with saving it because it's a heritage vehicle and it's important and da-da-da. it's just it saved me um because it gave me something to focus my energy on you yeah. know? and i imagine there
0: are so many cars that have done that through yeah. the pandemic for people
1: Got piggy during the pandemic, yeah. As well, didn't I you? mean, it was for
0: different reasons, in that obviously I needed the car for getting about and things were in and out. But one of the first things that was like you could come back to and start getting a little bit of normality was like outdoor, socially distanced events, yeah. So that, that was the first kind of things coming out of the pandemic that you could do, and car shows can fit into that. And then, so having my own car to take to events. Um, having been to like, events literally since I was born it was such a new experience for me yeah. and again it's given me like, yes I've got the kind of family friends and things like that that have been involved with the cars for uh, as long as ever Like, but I've also got so many new friendships met so many new people with the kind of mobility that this has given me yeah. and it's not that a modern car couldn't give you the ability to drive to the NEC or drive to an event or whatever but you wouldn't necessarily have the reason to go to that event yeah so then it's a case of well i'm really thankful that i went for a classic as my daily and i think using it as a daily is what's made me somewhat I think my mum would put it as fearless in terms of it. Some of the stuff I'll say I've done, my mum's like, I don't want to hear. It. I don't want to hear. It. She's like, oh, oh how, how long do you reckon it? it's going to take you to get to Vista? That's, that means you would be going at like these speeds. And I'm like, well, yeah, because i have going to get there eventually. She's yeah. got a five-speed gearbox. But like, at the, at the same time, it's a case of if I did I wouldn't get anywhere because it, for a while it was me and Tony's only car. Yeah. So if I didn't, like, just go, right, well, we use it like every other car and hope for the best. If I break down while well, I've got RAC coverage and something will happen. I might be sat at the edge of the road for a few hours, but it's nothing that if, if I've got a, a flask of tea in the back and some biscuits, you can't just wait out. Yeah. like Car snacks are absolutely essential and yeah I, yeah we we
1: uh when dad and I go away we have a tupperware box that's i don't know it's about this big and it sits in the passenger footwell um but the problem with that is that it gets quite hot Ooh, um you have and
0: so it's really selective about yeah. the type of snack you take and mm. the time of year and all this sort of stuff yeah chocolate biscuits or well, i mean we still eat
1: them of course but that was that was quite a mess because there was a nice packet. I think yeah, there were chocolate yeah. digestives and it, they just turned into a mush of which was delicious. Um, but you know we've learned also not to put things like bananas because they're not good when they're hot. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh so, no. you know. But it's yeah, you know we, we do all sorts of things. Like I say, we we got this Cornish pasty and it's really the random things you can do with a classic car that's fun you know if, yeah. if i said to you i went to cornwall and i put a, a cornish pasty in the engine bay of my astra to see if it would keep it warm and whether it would absorb that kind of engine heat and smell and, and taste smell. and you'd be like why and, and some people may ask why you do that in a classic car as well but it was just because they thought why not you know yeah.
0: and you've always got something like about. Like, I know going into the office on a Monday or whatever, mm-hmm. it's a case of people that have seen what I've put up on Facebook or whatever, and they're like, oh, I can't believe you went there or whatever, or you did this, or, right. like, uh, and my students are the same, they'll be like, oh, so what did you do this weekend, or, like, where where have you taken the car kind of thing, and yeah, I think it gives you so much to talk about with people. Absolutely. I'd like to, th- like, I might admit that sometimes I probably more people talking about. Oh uh, yeah, me the too. And stuff. But <laughs> equally.
1: I think we sit, we sat for four and a half hours
0: yeah. today. <laughs> but like, you end up talking about loads of other stuff as well, yeah. it was tangents and, and going off on things. And mm-hmm. I imagine this is probably going to be one of the longer of the podcasts as well because it's just, yeah, once you, once you get to know someone and you've got that common ground of, of cars and going on adventures in the cars and stuff. There is so much to talk about. Absolutely. Do do you think you'd ever get another classic? Oh, yes.
1: I I, I can't say I'm addicted yet because I haven't got another one. But if I had the space to have another car that was a classic, I would absolutely dive right in. I'm not sure what I'd get. because oh God, I, I'd love like an old Land Rover Defender. Like that? I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, I think the thing is that they're all they're all so exotic because they're yeah. so different to what we drive now in terms of what's coming out now
0: and sort of secondhand car market. They're so different. They're so exciting. Um, and there's so much like choice. Right. I mean, even yeah. cars that have supposedly got the same engine. So I did. I drove. Obviously, drive Peggy every day. But the, my parents have got uh, an Austin A40 mm-hmm. and it's got an A series engine in it, so supposedly it's home engine, uh, but it's got slightly different steering, different gearbox to, to Peggy and things like that. And it's little things like that, that even though it's the same engine, it's the same kind of company essentially that was building them all. It's, you, still experiencing something different it's a totally different Different car car, isn't it yeah Yeah. and i can see why so many people are doing youtube channels trying all these things out because my dad's just bought uh, another car Uh, well my mum's bought another car for my dad for his birthday and um i was just thinking oh i cannot wait to have a go at driving that kind of thing yeah and he's he's not even got it at the moment at the time of recording technically because it's he's not allowed it until his birthday um, but yeah, it's, you, you just think, oh, I cannot wait to have a go at driving that. Or, yeah, I wonder what that would be like to drive and, yeah, getting those sorts
1: of opportunities. It is amazing. I'd like, I love an American car. Yeah. The biggest issue, um, so I met a chap last year at a local car show um, in the Midlands and he's got a Merkley, Mercury Marquis, or Marquis, however you say. Yeah. Um, and he took me for a drive in that and it is just an absolute beast and you know the a real on that oh, would have been something yeah a real guttural growl you know like peggy's yeah. growl is like this flirtatious you know but his was like really from the gut you know and it was just bouncy and, and you've got the bench seats and it's a, just a totally different experience because it has this presence that most British cars don't have just because of the sheer scale of it.
0: And, and it's also just the, the size of the roads and stuff that yeah. we were on versus them. Yeah, like, they, they, they could warrant a car of that size, but yeah. it wasn't really a need for that over here post-war.
1: Isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I spoke to a young lady called Aubrey um, who lives in Wyoming in the States, and she's got a Thunderbird, and it's what is it? It's a rose, dusty, dusty rose or dust rose, the colour, and it's yeah. just this beautiful car. And she does pin-up pageants, and and we were chatting about the roads over there, and she was saying how you know obviously they're so massive, and she said that roundabouts are like the most foreign concept to Americans because they just don't have them. Um, and she was just saying about the driving experience of her car and I look at that and obviously I love my car like Frisky is just the, the, you know I see there are love hearts in my eyes when I look at her but that doesn't mean to say that you can't fall in love with other cars because there's part of me that feels like it would be a betrayal if I got another car but when I saw Aubrey Thunderbird you know, convertible dust pink I'm like that is cool I want one of those as well you know I, I just I think I find it really hard to choose and then I think well maybe I'd have one for a couple of months and then get another one but then I don't think I'd want to get rid of it. Yeah and that's it's, the
0: problem, that's you how it starts. to it in the same way and then you're like oh right okay yep the, this is how it happened. Yep.
1: So, how many cars do you reckon on average that your parents have had over the years? Like oh classics? My, gosh. my
0: dad's got uh, little toy models of all of them. Okay. Um, because they were daily classics and stuff in the 90s, and then they were buying cars at Christmas and stuff like that that were just big cars for Christmas trips and stuff. Mm. So, so many. Like, I don't. Uh, it's got to be upwards of 30, I would imagine. Yeah. and it's. Yeah, you just can't imagine that number of cars yeah. in a lifetime Especially when I'm like, oh, I don't think I could ever sell Peggy and Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's a keeper but, but I want all of these other cars and you're like, oh, I, can, I can see now how you end up like rifling through so many of
1: them And, and they're a good example of, of people that have actually, you know, put some proper mileage on their cars because they yeah. used to rally didn't they? Yeah,
0: they used to do like historic rallies and stuff around the country and stuff and uh, again, I think as much as it, it probably stresses them out a little bit when I'm like, OK, I'm off for X hundred miles to go and buy a curry up in <laughs> Yorkshire and then I'll be back kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and they're like, OK, but like, let us know when you're back. Um, it's probably in the blood that you just want to go out and have an adventure. And yeah. it's obviously a little bit in yours when it's your granddad's car and you going out with your dad and and your mum on other occasions to have adventures
1: in it. Absolutely and I think it's just it is so different and I'm not someone that likes to stand out in a kind of like look at me way but I like to be different in in just the way that it's it's quirky and it's a conversation piece Um, and you know I keep journals with that car so when my grandfather passed away and got the car Um, I treated myself to a lovely moleskin journal and it's red so it matches the car. I always have red nails as well, most of the time red nails. Um, And in these journals I write letters, so dear Dodo, this is where I've been today, this is how it felt. And it's not always stuff with the car, it's stuff associated with the car, so I'll write a journal entry about today because this experience that we're having now and, and this time that we're sharing that is all a result of this decision that he made 35 years ago to buy frisky yeah. and so i want to tell him about that you know i want to tell him that you know i've had this amazing day out with you and i've been in a morris minor today and i've smelt it i've felt it i've bounced around in it yeah, recording it's quite a podcast. Now. no but it's amazing and the, and the fact that you know if you'd have told him 35 years ago that You could make a podcast and a YouTube video in a Morris minor. He'd be like, What's YouTube? What's a podcast? And (laughs) why are you doing it in a Morris minor? Yeah, you know, it would just be this completely alien concept. And how amazing is that? Is that, you know, you're giving your car a really cool chapter and you're using your car in a contemporary way. Yeah. but you're still embracing the old technology and that's wicked because you're combining two worlds and, and you also do your cosplay stuff and and like it's just super cool that yeah these cars are old and people think oh well you know here's me sitting in a flat a flatjack. i've got <laughs> flatjacks on my mind a flat cap i do like flapjacks um you know i'm sitting here in a flat cap kind of fitting into the old boy cliche um but it's just use your car how you want to you yeah, know and, and I... when you get people criticizing it because you know there's a lot more chips in the paintwork of frisky now she has deteriorated in her condition you know i like to call the damage adventure freckles um anyone else out there you can use that it's a good one um but it shows you love it it shows you're using it and it shows it you know it's giving that that car a chapter and a and something else for its for its next donor to be inspired by. It. And
0: also the other thing is that the more that people see them out and about, uh, I I like. To, I would mean, kind of drive past the school now. I drive past the school on my way to work sometimes, mm. and um, I see all the kids at the same sort of time, obviously going on their walk to school. Yeah, and it's a case of they might not have seen a car before, but that might be for one of them a memory of, oh yeah, I remember seeing that car every yeah. so often on the drive to school. Yeah. And that's a that's a memory for them that then they take an interest in cars at some point in the future. Yeah. You. And
1: how incredible is that? You know, you don't know the impact you're having on those kids and their imagination. And I think now, you know, we're not young people aren't um kind of encouraged to aspire to own cars and and that kind of thing and and there's different ways you can engage in it you know you show a child a car and you could be someone that photographs the car you could write about the car you could yeah. be the person that reupholsters the car you could be the person that does the mechanics you could do the spray like the the spray painting you could you, there's so many ways offshoots of creativity adventuring anything that you can do with this this object you know and, and the fact that they'll you know there'll be someone in 20 years time maybe and they'll be like, they've been inspired by you that lady that drives past in that really cool morris minor you know every morning for two years of their life and that yeah triggers something that leads them into something else when they're older and we can only hope that the
0: some of them will, will keep the
1: things going. I and, think so. and even the,
0: the future classics of some of the moderns
1: today and things. Yeah, and that's it. I think that's a really important point, like you know, the future classics, you know, the kind of cult cars, eighties, nineties, noughties, they have just as much right to be in the community as people that own a 60 something uh, 60 should be 62 this year 62 year old car yeah or a 30 year old car like fundamentally there you go (laughs) we're all here for the same reason is that we like our cars so it doesn't matter what it is and i think that's 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 something that's really shifting within the community and the, the next generation is that you know we can go out and it's a you know A a Vauxhall from the 80s or a golf or whatever, we can be at the same car show, we can park our cars next to each other. I think you know it's great to have the mark car clubs, the mark car shows, the mark car meets, but also you know, like we can mix it up, we can park different cars next to each other because the conversation's going to be different. It's not going to be nausing over the fact that your car's got that and my car's got that,
0: it's like it's a completely different car, but yeah, it will be different discussions about the the comparisons. Yeah, imagine that when we park up in just a little bit. Uh, we'll let you have a nosy under the bonnet, and you can kind of yeah. spot some of the differences between what, what you're a, used to poking width. about yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's been really great to talk to you, and such a good kind of. Uh, hopefully interesting podcast for people to hear and hopefully get inspired this summer to do something perhaps a little bit different with their classics and things Absolutely Than they've done previously And uh, I'll make sure to kind of link everything down in the comments sections and stuff so that they can follow you on your exciting adventures this summer
1: Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Let me have a little bounce around on the back seat um, And just to throw out a question um, To everyone else is like maybe in the comments like tell us what is the weirdest journey you've been on in your classic car because i'd love to know because i'm always looking for inspiration for ridiculous adventures
0: um, and maybe at some point we could all go on one together that's what it's all about right brilliant absolutely so thanks ever so much for listening everybody drive safely and happy motoring